Today is a slightly different day. Dr. Patrick is away this Sunday, and we have a guest speaker. But before I introduce him, I'm going to invite Reverend Connie Phelps to do our opening uh, affirmative prayer. Good morning. So join with me as we take a moment to go inside to that deep well of consciousness that resides right where we are always. Because right where we are, God is. So I know this morning that in this place, we recognize that, <clears throat> excuse me, that magnificence, that truth, that one power and presence that is always full-blown, always in its magnificence, always being the best it can be by means of each and every one of us, because I know that it needs each one of us to be itself, to know itself, to experience itself, to live itself by means of us. So I know that we come here together to open up to that awareness, that consciousness, that idea, to open up to a bigger way of being, the magnificence that we already are. So I know that we come here to remember that and to reveal that magnificence magnificence through the absolute joy of being, of knowing, of remembering, and of revealing the truth. Knowing that there is only one truth, and the truth is that we are magnificent expressions of this one power, this one presence, and this one source of life. And I know that that source is just expanding and exploding into this new way of being through each of us. So I know as we awaken to this truth, as we know this truth, and as we experience it, that we become all that we're meant to be. And so I am so grateful for this knowing, for this truth, and for this center. This place to be that recognizes the wholeness of the individual. So I am so grateful to be here in the presence of this glorious wonder. So we just release these words because I know it's already done. So it is with an open heart that we get ready to be rocked this morning with something new to reveal that magnificence that is already there. The seeds are planted. The day is beginning into its own fullness. I am so grateful for this truth. I let it go. I let it be so. And together we say, and so it is. Oh, thank you so much, Reverend Connie. Our speaker today is the author of The Magic of the Soul, Applying Spiritual Power to Daily Living. Some of you may have taken that course that we offer from time to time here at the Center. He is the founder of the Living Purpose Institute and creator of the Life Coaching Certification Program and the Primal Fire Intensive. He is president of the Spiritual Unity Movement. He was ordained by the late Earl Barnum, who was a student of our very own Ernest Holmes. He trained in spiritual psychology with the late Dr. Vivian King. He founded Meditation Magazine. 
He was formerly a director for Sage Publications, a world-renowned social sciences public publisher. He will be available at the back afterwards to sign books. He is speaking today on the most important principle or practice in new thought. But some fun facts about him is that he was once a tennis pro. He plays the harmonica and he's offering a powerful deep meditation workshop tomorrow evening right here at 7 p.m. I would like to welcome Dr. not Dr. Reverend Patrick Harbula as our speaker today. Let's hear it for the band. And for all the musicians here, our wonderful musicians. You guys have the best music ever here. Come on, give them some love. All right, here we are. So great to be back. I was here last uh, February. And uh, I said this at the beginning of service, and now we're filming, so it's a little more risky for me because the other centers will actually find out about this if it goes on YouTube. But I'm going to say it anyway. This is my favorite place in the world to speak. <clears throat> All right, so my title is The Most Important Principle and Practice in New Thought, according to Patrick Harbula. So what do you think it is? What's the most important principle practice to you in New Thought? Let's hear a few. Meditation? We'll be doing that tomorrow night. Very good. Affirmations, Affirmations okay. What's that? Gratitude. Gratitude. There's a principle, there's a quality. Celebration. What was that? Celebration. Celebration. Show up. Show up, show up. okay. <laughs> Love, that's the one I'm waiting for. Anything else? 
All right, well, you're all right, by the way. If it's the most important to you, then it's the, the most important new thought. So for me, it is love. It is the quality, it is the principle, it is the experience, it is the practice of loving kindness. And I think that all other principles, by the way, come out of this one. I even thought about, you know, going over each principle and saying how it springs forth from the principle of love, but that kind of sounded kind of boring to me, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, by the way, if I cough, I've got a little bit of a flu today, so um, after the service, if, so if you believe in germs, then maybe you don't want to hug me or kiss me after the service. Uh, but if, uh, if you don't believe in germs, then have at it. <laughs> All right, so unconditional love. I, I spent some time several years back at the Sai Baba Ashram. Anyone know who Sai Baba is? Amazing, considered a saint by the people in his country, and some of his followers even believe he's the reappearance of the Christ, someone who can um, manifest things out of the palms of his hands. And while all that is quite fascinating, that none of that was as important as the experience I got at his ashram. And when I say an ashram, you might think of a small group of people. There's actually anywhere from 40 to 80,000 people that show up at this ashram on a week, any given weekend. So there was about 80,000 people there. And I've never been in a group of even 100 people that had as clear a focus and concentration on one thing, any one thing. And this one thing in this case was on love, the teachings of Sai Baba, which is unconditional love. And what I experienced in being in that field of energy of 80,000 people all walking around saying Sai Ram to each other, which means I see the God in you. Um, being in that field after a day or two, what occurred to me is that this, is, this energy that I'm feeling is what we are. It's who we are. That at our basic most level, we are love. My, my teacher, Dr. Earl Barnum, said it this way years ago. He said that who we really are, our natural state, is one of unconditional love and light flowing through us unimpeded. And if we're not experiencing that, it means we're actually consciously or unconsciously blocking that flow. And it actually takes energy, it takes tension to hold that love back, right? Now the really good news is that in order to experience the, this truth of our being, all we really have to do is surrender. All we have to do is let go of everything that isn't love and we are love, then we recognize, I mean, we are our love already, but then we recognize it, then we feel it, then we are living it. So the phrase that came to me in this experience was love unfolding love. That's who we are, that's the phrase that came to me. That's what life is, that's what nature is. It's love unfolding more love. Every interaction between any people, between any event, even though it may not look like it in the moment, is about one thing and one thing only, love unfolding more love. And if we're not recognizing that in the moment, it's simply because we're seeing the world through the eyes of our personality rather than our soul. If we see, when we see the world through the eyes of our soul, our expanded self, then we can see the whole picture. 
I love uh, this quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. People usually consider walking on water or in thin air a miracle, but I think the real miracle is not to walk either on water or in thin air, but to walk on earth. Every day we are engaged in a miracle which we don't even recognize, a blue sky, white clouds, green leaves, the black curious eyes of a child, our own two eyes. All is a miracle. Because when we are love, when we recognize ourselves as love, the truth of who we are, then guess what we see everywhere we look? Love unfolding love, yes? There's a, a saying that a truly enlightened being sees enlightenment everywhere they look, right? Because they're seeing it through the, they're seeing reality through the eyes of their soul. So, a practice then is to simply look for and see, see or at least look for the sacred in everything. And if we can't see it in the moment, then it doesn't mean it's not there. In fact, we can trust that it's there. You know, in my, in my book, The Magic of the Soul, I say, if tragedy can exist, if genocide, if the possibility of genocide can exist, then genocide must exist in order for us to evolve to a place where genocide can no longer exist. Does that make sense? So even Hitler, believe it or not, was playing a part in love unfolding love. And something came to me fairly recently that if it's true that everything that every action, every occurrence is about love unfolding love, then the people who are, have chosen a path of unfolding love that, it, it, that is either, their souls chose it, by the way, maybe not the personality, if their souls chose a path that is not experiencing joy in every moment, if they chose a path of being abused or being of an abuser, then guess what? They have chosen to unfold love in a much more difficult way than I have, right? I get to talk to amazing people like you. I'm a life coach. I get to, to coach people each and every day that are people who I would go to coaching for, just amazing, amazing beings. So, I have to honor the people who have chosen the more difficult way because they are unfolding love as well. My sister is a, is a heroin addict, so I don't, we don't, we're not in, in, in communication. She doesn't, I never know where she is unless she's in jail. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been painful for me the, over the years to, to not be able to communicate with her. You know, we, we shared a childhood together. And yet, um, I know that she is on her path, a path that I can't completely understand, but somehow she is unfolding love in her special way, the way she has chosen. And it may take, whether she will understand that herself in this lifetime or other lifetimes, if you believe in reincarnation, or in her, in, at some point, she will, at some point in her eternal existence, cannot help but happen. So that's the perspective that we see life from when we see it from a larger perspective is we recognize everybody in their own way is unfolding love. Byron Katie says, love everything. 
And I think all of our spiritual teachers, the most popular ones, are saying the same thing these days. Byron Katie says, love everything. Robert Scheinfeld in Busting Loose from the Money Game says, appreciate everything. August Gold says, invite everything. Don't you love that? Invite every experience, knowing that it's going to unfold love. Eckhart Tolle gives, says, give up resistance to what is. Michael Singer in The Untethered Full uh, Soul says, Ope, keep your heart open no matter what. And you know what? It's not that difficult. He points out that we think it is. You know, if I'm in struggle consciousness or I'm having a difficult experience, you know, I tend to um, close up my heart. So this simple practice, try it right now. Maybe even let's start by thinking something that's challenging about th something that's challenging in your life. And just notice when you think about that where your energy goes. And now, take a deep breath. Feel your heart metaphorically open. The energy of love that you are expand in this moment. Isn't that a good feeling? Yeah? Wouldn't it be nice to feel this all the time? Well, we're on this journey. We're on this perfect journey. And wherever we're at in that journey, no matter how consistently we recognize that we are unfolding love, it's the perfect place to be because that's how we're unfolding love in this moment. So, um, looking, seeing love, unfolding love, is about seeing the sacred in everything. I love Native American and, and First Nations and all native paths because there is an, a, a cultural understanding that the sacred exists in everything. As we say it in New Thought, it's all God. It's all good because it's all God. It's all good because it's all God. But how often do we say, but this thing that just occurred in my life, oh no, that's not good, right? That's not part of this principle. But we know, at least at a conceptual level that it is, and what we are learning to do as a movement, as a society, as a planet, is to come more fully into this understanding that it is all good. And when we do, we give up to resistance to what is. Um, so practicing, my book talks about the magic of the soul. My, it talks about looking for the magic in every experience or the sacred in every experience. Um, in the first service, I, I used the example of Suzanne Summers. She was, um, anyone rem everyone remember Suzanne Summers? Three's Company. By the way, I didn't ever think that I would be quoting Suzanne Summers from a pulpit <laughs> in Edmonton when I was watching Three's Company at 16 years old. So she was standing outside. Um, her, her house was one of those that burned down in the Malibu fires several years ago, and she was standing in front of the burning ashes of her, of her, or the smoldering ashes of her home, and the, she was being interviewed. And the question to her was, how do you feel in this moment? And the first words out of her mouth were, I know something good will come out of this. You feel the power in that? I know something good will come out of this. Now, she didn't know what the good was, right? But you gotta know, you gotta intuitively know that by having that attitude, something good had to come out of it. Now, something good would have come out of it anyway, because it always does. 
In retrospect, we look back in our life and we always see that, oh, those challenging times, that's when I grew the most. That's when my love, in fact, expanded the most. But in the moment, we often resist, right? What would it be like to look for the magic, to look for the blessing in the moment, or to at least trust that it is there, just like Suzanne Summers did? Somebody came up to me after the service and said he was sitting with her two hours after she had that interview having soup. So, small world, isn't it? <laughs> so what happens then, the interesting side effect of this, by the way, this, became, this as a spiritual practice for me became... Um, an opportunity to, to be in the experience of the sacred more, more fully. But a side effect happened that I hadn't counted on. I used to look at people who, I was always pretty good at manifesting what I want in life, right? But it seemed like it, sometimes it took a lot of work for me to manifest the things I, I manifested. And I would look at these people who manifested things easily, you know, like people who might write a book and then a publisher finds them, right? Instead of the other way around. And I would look at these people and say, how does that work? And now I'm living that, now I understand it. Because when we're resisting anything, what happens, actually we block the energy, right? Anytime I resist something, I instantly block the energy. If so, if it's a physical symptom, then I'm Blocking, then, then I'm blocking the very energy that's needed for its healing by resisting it. As soon as I embrace it, then the energy flows. And of course the energy is the energy of what? Love. Love, right? So what the side effect then was that when I give up resistance to what is, when I accept and embrace everything, knowing that it's for my good, even though it may not look like it in the moment, then all of my consciousness is available now to create what I want, what brings me joy, easily and effortlessly. I think this is so important, you know, because our, our movement talks, emphasizes so much the power of our mind, but um, detachment, which is a Buddhist principle, is equally important, maybe even more important, because if I am detached from results, if I'm open to whatever's coming to me, knowing that, knowing that it's all perfect just the way it is, then what I, what I want or what will bring me joy becomes an easy task. It's not even a task. I simply focus my attention and it tends to happen because all of my consciousness is available now. It's not split because if I'm resisting something, I'm putting energy into it. I am holding it in place with my resistance. Get that? Does that make sense? So how easy is that? The secret then is to simply embrace and be in joy. The Buddha said, um, I love this, this is my favorite new quote for him. He said, and do this with me. He said, when I, when I finally realize that everything is perfect just the way it is, then I tilt my head back and laugh at the sky. Isn't that fun? So it's about detachment. I was diagnosed uh, several years ago, five years ago, with uh, prostate cancer. And um, it's one of the two times I've faced life-threatening illnesses in my life. I was told by, I went to many different doctors because I, I, uh, my intention was to heal it naturally. 
and I was told by one doctor, all of the doctors agreed that I should get surgery as soon as possible. One doctor said, this is not the kind of prostate cancer you live with, this is the kind of prostate cancer you die from. And yet, I still trusted, and I went two years without having the surgery. And uh, the tumors did not, uh, they didn't grow as fast as they thought they would, but they did grow. And so after two years, I decided my healing will be through this traditional way. That's how, that's how love will, will heal this, is through surgery. So I got the surgery, and um, you know, when, before I made the decision to do that, I was concerned about the possible side effects of the surgery, right? As soon as I made the decision then, I was able to embrace it and knew then that I would heal completely. And I healed completely. Um, absolutely no side effects. Thank you. Thank you. So, for me, part of my path then is about giving up attachment to any results or any expectations. And it brings me into a state of freedom and joy every time I do that. So it reminds me of this, uh, this joke about two guys. Um, one's name is Archie and the other one is Jim. So Archie believes, and they have this religious difference, okay, this debate that's going on for their entire life. So Archie says that Jesus is white and Jim is absolutely certain that Jesus is black. And so they argue about this their entire lifetime and it just so happens that they die on the same day and they're up uh, in, ready to get in heaven at the pearly gates and they're arguing with each other all the way up to the gates and St. Peter comes up and they can't wait to ask him, so is Jesus black or is Jesus white? And so just then, Jesus walks up in sandals and white robe and just very calmly says, Buenos dias, compadres. <laughs> so when we have expectations, we're usually wrong, aren't we? We're usually not going to be an absolute truth. So what about letting go of having to be right, of having to be in our head, having this mental... Um, concept of the world of ours or even of ourselves because our mental concept of ourselves cannot be accurate it cannot be the whole truth it can only be a part of it right our heart experience of ourselves can be the whole truth so in this moment let's just let go for a moment of all that you think you are from a mental level and experience that truth of who you are at a heart level again just feel your heart expand Feel the love flow when we give up resistance and just be. Ah, doesn't that feel good? And the most important place to apply this, by the way, is with ourselves, loving ourselves unconditionally. Yes? We, in our movement, we talk about seva, which is selfless service. I believe that seva is about recognizing oneness. If I really think that I'm serving someone else and I put other people's first, like to be selfless, then what I'm actually saying is that that part of God is more important than this part of God. That can't be right, right? 
It's got to be an even balance, otherwise it's not oneness. I think the point of selfless service is when we, if I am selfish and serving only myself and I do seva, selfless service, I actually learn this is really fun, serving other people. And then it brings me into that awareness that we are one because it is no different when I serve someone else than when I serve myself. Carl Rogers said, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change, right? I also want to share with you about uh, detachment. I was um, having a conversation with a client of mine recently and we were talking about detachment and, and I said something that sounded kind of profound but then she reworded it and sounded even more profound and that is when we give up attachment to anything we become open to everything. When we give up attachment to anything we become open to everything. In that experience of expansion. So let me share with you um, a little bit about, oh, I want to give a plug to the classes that are, that are coming up here. You know, when we go into class, that's where the true transformation of this, our teaching comes into play. Because we can get the ideas out of a book. We can come here and we can be inspired on a Sunday service. But when you get to interact with people in the class situation, it used to be, by the way, Science of Mind was taught as a lecture program. In fact, when I took Science of Mind 101 in the early 80s, the, 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 the teacher would lecture the entire time and then he would pass out cards and he might read your question from the stage, right? Now it's, it's all experiential because we have learned, we know that that's how transformation occurs is when one person shares something about their own inner journey and that then inspires someone else. That's what it's all about. So I encourage you to sign up and get into classes because that's where the magic happens. And I also want to plug the Primal Fire Spiritual Awakening Retreat. You've got a flyer in your packet there coming up in a couple weeks. It's something I've done all over the world. Did it for five years in Saskatchewan and I'm bringing it here for the first time this year. And I like to call it the Anti-Workshop Workshop because it's not about putting any more information into our heads because we've got a lot, we've got enough probably. It's about getting out of our heads, into our bodies, connecting with Mother Earth, rediscovering who we are at a natural, primal, authentic level. So we turn off our cell phones, believe it or not, we actually turn off our cell phones for the entire weekend. We take our watches off. Um, we drop our roles of who we think we are and we experience each other from a place of openness. Everyone's encouraged to be who they are in the moment. If you're sad, cry. If you're angry, be angry. If you are joyful, laugh with abandon. And what happens when people are given permission to be who they are, they rise to their highest. And in that environment, whatever needs to be healed comes up and becomes healed effortlessly. So that's going to be a lot of fun. If you have uh, any questions about that, feel free to ask me after the service. And finally, just want to personally invite you to the meditation tomorrow night. Usually when I come here, I do a workshop and we charge $40, $45, something like that for the workshop. Decided to make this a love offering event because I want 
as many of us can, that can possibly get in the room at the same time to go into deep meditation. We will do a meditation that will last, it's a two hour program, but we'll do one meditation that'll last probably between 45 minutes and an hour. And I guarantee you, when you open your eyes, you will think it was like 10 minutes long tops because we'll go so deep. So hope you can come and join me for that. So um, I want to give you a, um, a quote. This is from Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning is a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Treat each guest honorably. The dark thought, thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I would add to unfold more love. Yeah? So um, I'll close with a story. And let me just say about that, about loving every aspect of ourselves. This is my baseline spiritual practice. The most important spiritual practice is I love myself no matter what. And that's what I tell all my clients. Love yourself no matter what. And because the true test of self-love is not when I just got a promotion or I just did something really cool right? It's easy to love ourselves then. But if I made a mistake, right? Or if I said something that someone perceives as hurtful that I care about, if I can love myself then, no matter what, that's the true, self, the true test of self-love. Yes? Okay. So my teacher, my uh, spiritual psychology teacher, Dr. Vivian King, saint of a woman, who was hit by a drunk driver and became a quadriplegic a few years after I'd finished studying with her. So I was told about this and went to visit her at this hospital in, um, actually happened in Texas, but she was moved to Long Beach, California. And she was in a coma for six weeks. Her head had swollen up the size of a basketball. She had brainstem damage, no longer had the use of her hands, her arms, her legs, or her voice. And her face, I went to visit her, her face was very distorted. And yet, her smile was still intact. Um, I, I walked into the room and she had this big smile in this distorted face. And they were just deciding where she was gonna be moved to. And as it turned out, they were gonna, it was either gonna be Orange County or the San Fernando Valley. And so I said, and the synchronicity of it was I happened to be there when they were making this decision. If you move her to the San Fernando Valley, then I could, I could help her. I could come and help with her physical therapy and so on. So they, um, so, and they didn't know where I lived, but she ended up moving two, week, two blocks from where, I, from where I live. So obviously it was meant to be. So I got to go and hang out and um, help her with her physical therapy, do spiritual mind treatment, do energy healing, all kinds of things. It sounds, as I say that, like I might have been helping her, but I was the one who was getting the gift, okay? She was an example of love, unfolding love, to all of her healthcare professionals. I said to her once, I asked, are you angry at the person who did this to you? I was curious, and she looked at me confused and said, 
I don't have time or energy to be angry. I'm healing myself, right? That's where her attention was. And every one of her healthcare professionals was inspired by her. There was, um, to give you an example of this, uh, she had a mechanical arm that would help her to eat because she wanted to feed herself. So she'd have an apron on and she'd be feeding herself and food would be getting all over her apron and her clothes and smeared all over her face. And as I say this, you might think she might be uncomfortable doing this, but not the case. She'd have a smile the, other, the entire time. She'd be laughing sometimes because she recognized that she was not her body. That's what she t taught me in spiritual psychology, that she was more than her body. I would be embarrassed in that situation. She was not. She said to me, and she, could, she was able to have her whispers amplified, so if you talked with her a lot, you could understand her. She said to me about a year before she died, she said, Patrick, I'm a speaker who can no longer speak. I'm a writer who can no longer write. She had published several amazing books. She said, but as long as I have a physical body, in this world, I can remain a presence of peace and joy and love in this world. So no matter what we have challenging us, I have learned from her, we can always be love unfolding love. That's who you are. And I'm honored to be in your presence. Thank you. Love you.